rolling. Hello, happy Friday, and welcome to another shit I wish someone would have told me, a series of conversations between my guests and I where we talk about all of the shit that we wish someone at some point or another about various topics, all of which really the most important topic of all, you. And today, you are so fast, we have with us a very special guest. We're going to be talking about you are not your trauma and you are not your trauma response. And so super excited, um, Adam, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this right, Adam Miracus. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Miraskis. Miraskis, oh my God, okay. We Adam practiced Miraskis. seven times. <laughs> we practiced this so many times, y'all. I was so nervous, so that was, that was it. Like we always like, we get the butterflies out. So Adam Miraskis, perfect. Nailed it, nailed it. A relationship coach and writer at fixyourpicker.com. He has the most fire content in the relationship space that I have seen. He puts it out on Instagram every single day. Um, and he also does a blog post every Saturday. So that's right. Been in the recovery space for 14 years. And two years ago, decided to make this a full time situation and quit your day job. And we are so glad that you did because now you are here with us. And so we're super excited to have you. Thank you for taking the time out of doing what you do to be here and have this conversation. Um, and yeah, with all that being said, is there anything else you would like to add to introduce yourself, say hello, let everyone know who you are? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked that, that people are jumping on right now. I could see you guys, this is great. Um, and I just wanna get the message of healing out to the world. Um, I, I, I coach people. And I can only work with so many people one on one. So I, I want to I want to get on podcasts and lives and, and record some courses and just just crank out content so that people can can learn to heal and recover and grow and, and break patterns and, and things and just be better people. Right. There's there's so much work to be done that yes. we have to do as humanity. We all got some work to do. And so I just want to help people heal is is that's my whole mission. Yeah. So Thank you for that's what I'm doing. Yeah. And yep. thank you for being here. And thank you for adding that and exactly what you said. Like, yeah, we work, we both work with people one on one. And yeah, that like only, like, we can only talk to so many people one on one with like the hours mm -hmm. of the day. And so yeah, it's why I like do this. It's why we like hop on here. And so I'm excited to like spread the good word and have this conversation today. Um, and so yeah, shall we get right into it? Yeah, let's get All it. Right. Let's do it then. And everyone watching, thank you for tuning in. If you do have any questions, Pop them in the chat. Make this engaging. Let us know where you're from. I'm in North Carolina. Um, Adam is in Panama. So That's right. Are, yeah, which is a cool thing. Very tropical. <laughs> um, so with that being said, yeah, let's have a conversation. What is some shit that you wish someone would have told you? Well, I'll tell you what, Jonah. I wish somebody would have explained confidence to me mm -hmm. when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, like what, what even is confidence? Because I, I guess I always thought it was some type of genetic lottery that just some people had it and some people didn't. Right. Right. And um, yeah, I, I guess some people might, you know, say that I, I seem confident or, or whatever, but like inside my head, I'm like, no, you're going to mess it up, you know, or whatever. And so like, what the hell is confidence? So I was thinking about that. And now, you know, with being who I am and all the work and learning I've done, I know that confidence isn't a thing that you either have or don't have. Confidence is more of a measure of how much toxic shame you have or don't have, Ooh. right? <laughs> yeah, and, and so um, if you think about it, you know, what, what, are the, what are the non confident messages that you hear from your clients, right? You hear, I can't do it, or I'm lazy, or I'll, I'll never this, I or I can't that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's, they're all shame-based messages. They're all, I am lazy, or I am terrible, or I, you know, have a broken picker, you know, or I, I have, uh, I always date these type of people, or whatever it is. But um, yeah, there's a lot of shame-based messages that keep people from, from being confident. And so the interesting thing about shame is that shame will compel you to be more or less than human, mm. right? Shame, Say that shame. Again. Say that again. Shame wants you to be more or less than human, right? So shame is, is going to make you be a perfectionist, an overachiever, or shame is going to have you depressed and you're the worst thing that ever happened to humanity, right? So it's, it's, so, it's so interesting, too, how, how shame affects people differently, right? Because toxic shame could drive you to be the next Jeff Bezos or the next street junkie, 
you know, <laughs> like we don't know how it's going to pan out, right? But right. but shame is a very interesting thing, um, and it's I find that uh, probably with with any coaching client, right? Not just with me. I bet in, in all of the coaching spaces that people who are like, I've done all this work, I've done this therapy, I've read these books, blah blah blah, but I'm not getting better. I think 100% of the time, shame is, is the, the culprit. I think shame is the thing that's blocking people from getting better. In fact, shame is the thing that's keeping people from even trying. Shame is the thing that, that keeps people from, from crossing the door into a room of, of therapy or for you know, booking a consultation with us. Or Shame says you should be better than this by now. Right. Right. And, and go for it. Were you going to jump in on that? Say, I think that to your, to your point and whenever we were speaking in like our, our pre combo call um, about shame and how some people that can be a driving force, like, like you mentioned, like Bezos, like Oprah, I don't know if like Bezos, but, and some people can be a driving force and something that they use as like a catalyst. Um, and for others, it can be like very detrimental. It's kind of like how you perceive it. Right. Like, and even with that, that's where we come into like, oh, well, this is, you know, part of my personality. This is who I am, right? Like, I am a perfectionist. Like, I am mm -hmm. motherfucking Oprah, you know, like, I'm this like, <laughs> right. all-powerful, like, being, or I'm, like, scum of the earth, like, whichever, like, end of the spectrum. But to your point, yeah, it's driven from something that is very much a response, I think. And tell me what you think, but a response to like that external like stimulus and like what's happened, and it's like mm -hmm. how we have kind of adapted um, in terms of like our survival. Yes. So kids need to feel safe, seen, soothed, and secure. And if kids don't feel those things, they're like, "What the shit? What's going on?" You know, like being a child, like you need to feel safe, and if you don't, you adapt for survival, whatever that is. You know. Um, if you don't feel secure or seen or whatever, kids will adapt to get those needs met. Those are our attachment needs. Those are, right. those are nice to have. Those are things that we will absolutely get no matter what. Um, but if they're not given to us by, you know, empathetic caregivers and, you know, emotionally mature parents, uh, <laughs> which a lot of people don't have, as it turns out, um, then we have to adapt by any means necessary. We come up with with uh, maladaptive coping strategies. And, and so, yeah, shame is actually one of those coping strategies. So this is crazy. Think about this. If I'm a kid and my parents are fucked up, right? They're like, they're clearly shitting the bed. Like they're, just, they're, not, they're not doing what parents are supposed to do. I'm a, little, I'm a little powerless, helpless kid. I got two options. I can say, you know what? Maybe uh, my parents are incompetent, in which case I'm at, extreme peril and danger and i'm probably going to die because i don't have competent caregivers mm -hmm. or i could say i'm trash but my parents know what they're doing right and so that that's where shame comes from shame is a survival mechanism yes Sh shame is the best choice that we have as kids yes. when we're faced with my parents suck or i suck yes. a kid's gonna a kid's gonna pick i suck every time because they need to feel safe like right. i said we need we need to feel that safety I love this so much. And like, yeah, like, so as an authority, you know, like we want to have that belief in someone else. We want to have that belief in others. And especially whenever we're a kid, it's that whole concept of like, you literally don't know what you don't know. And mm -hmm. if all we know is that this is my parent, they're supposed to be, like you said, like my guardian, my caregiver, my nurturer, and they aren't doing their job, then like, how are we to know any different? Like, if we don't think if it's not working, then it's not because of us, because, you know, we're learning like we are inexperienced here. If the professionals like the more experienced or like mature ones um, are the ones that are guiding us. Yeah. In theory. <laughs> yeah. And this is a lesson I've had to learn. Right. That, you know, just because like people have certain titles um, doesn't mean that they're necessarily qualified for the job. And we right. can apply that to a professional like work relationship, but you can also apply it to your parents. Like, parents. <laughs> yeah. Just because like someone's a parent, just because they can biologically reproduce does not mean that they're qualified to do so and parent nope. the person. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's, that's, that's not enough. Just pumping a, pumping a kid out is not enough. You made um, a comment that I loved and it was, so we learn how to deal with these things when we're kids. Right. Mm -hmm. And, from there, you mentioned, and I might be like butchering it, but you mentioned that like, 
So we're taking that Fisher Price hammer that worked when we were kids and we're still trying to use it to like fix all the like adult like sized nails kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all of our most persistent adult problems were childhood solutions. Right? Like we we adapted as kids. Like, you know, parents weren't around, we had to grow up fast or, you know, had a sick little brother I had to take care of or whatever the situation was, like we had to adapt and and you know, get the job done. And so um, a lot of our coping mechanisms and strategies, you know, things that we might call bad habits now are things that worked really well when we were kids. In fact, they worked really fucking well. And that's why we're clutching onto them with Kung Fu grip, not willing to let them go because perhaps they saved our lives, right? Like for me, I grew up super fast because my childhood was kind of crazy. And I was like, I need to get out of here as soon as possible. So I started working when I was 10, had two jobs by ninth grade, just was like a grown ass man, just like, you know, hurry up and grow up so I could get out of here. And I had this work ethic. I mean, I, I work like a country mule, like you see me putting out content and I'm coaching hella people. And like, I, I work real hard. And like, people are like, man, that's a good dandy thing. You're such a good worker. But like, maybe that's a trauma response. Maybe I had to do that in order to survive. So yes, it's, you know, it is, it is a skill that I have. It is, there are positive qualities to that. But like, I have to schedule vacations for myself. Like I have to make myself take time off and, and self-care is work for me. <laughs> like it's, I'm not inclined to just do self-care naturally. That's something that I have to work on. Uh, so I'm getting off on a tangent here, but, but to no, your point, no. yes, there, there's a lot of things that we do that we're like, oh, this is who I am. Mm, maybe that's who you had to become in order to survive your childhood. And now you say, oh, this is me, but maybe it's not. And so what you had to do to survive, maybe you had to shrink. Maybe you had to shut up. Maybe you had to not have needs or wants or feelings or boundaries. Maybe you had to be something unhealthy in order to not get your ass beat when you were a kid, yeah. right? And then so you're still doing that thing, whatever that unhealthy, you know, maladaptive coping strategy is. Maybe you're still doing that thing um, <laughs> because your, your body, your nervous system is like, you better do this thing or else you're going to get your ass beat. Even though there's no, there's no ass beatings happening anymore, right? Like you're a grown adult, no one is, is beating the ass, right? And so, uh, and this is, this is fascinating stuff too. I, I guess I might as well just do it. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it. Do it. Because um, yeah, we're just, we're not really sticking to any agenda or anything. We're just going, <laughs> we're just going for it. Um, so it's fascinating. That, so the, the neocortex is like the human thinking rational part of your brain. Cortex Perfect. means. I was going to ask. I was like, explain what happens in our brain. That like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get it. Perfect. The word cortex means bark. It's the outer layer of the brain. So if if you peel that orange, like we're just we're gorillas. You know what I mean? So we're we're animals. We have the same gear as as any other animal, but we have this like cool like I can do algebra part of our brain. Right. Um, no one does algebra. Like <laughs> yeah, or that too. But anyway, the lower parts of our brain, the limbic system, like the emotional parts, right? We have like the, the amygdala, which is kind of uh, was scanning the environment to tell if it's, it's safe or not, like you know? Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and it, it'll, hit up, it'll hit up the lizard brain, like, yo, fight or flight time, let's go, you know? Uh, so the amygdala, all that stuff, the lower parts of the brain don't really tell time, right? The awareness of the passage of time happens in your, in your, your right prefrontal cortex or something like that. But in the thinking part of your brain, it's like, oh, I know what time it is. I have a watch. Look at me. I'm fancy. Um, but the lower parts of your brain that are in charge of survival, that are in charge of scanning your environment for threats, you know, because if, if there's a threat, like your body reacts before your thinking brain even gets its hands on it, right? And so that part of your brain has no awareness of time. It just matches uh, cues of danger in your environment to, hey, this is a thing that happened to me when I was a kid. So boom, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna uh, activate. We're gonna be ready for some fight or flight or freeze or whatever the thing is. Um, so yeah, that part of our brain doesn't, doesn't know that you know, 20 years have passed since that traumatic experience that we had when we were a kid. So. Um, to, to point out an example, it's like whenever you are doing something and you get that like nervous feeling in like the pit of your stomach, 
that's like the emotional part of your brain. That's why you get that sensation is because something remind something that just happened reminded you of this other time that some bad shit happened. Mm-hmm. And so like exactly like you said, before your logical brain can be like, no, actually this is different. We're safe. It's this day and time. Things like let me check mm-hmm. my watch. Your emotional or excuse me, before your irrational brain, your emotional brain like kicks in is like put in your stomach like you were saying, like fight or flight, like get ready. We're about to go. Mm-hmm. It's it's go yeah. time. We're gonna drop the hammer. And, and and you might never know what cued that, right? It could have been a smell. It could have been someone was wearing the same cologne as somebody who who uh, who you know abused you when you were a kid, and you you're not even aware of it on a conscious level. It could be a sound, a sight, a smell, a sensation, something that triggers that, and and you're just like, you know, you're you're losing your shit. You don't know why, and then you tell somebody oh, I'm just a nervous person or I'm, you know, I'm no good in social situations or I, you know, there's something wrong with me. Right. Right. And that's, that's not the case. Right. So, um, so yeah, this, this would be a good, a good point to, to mention. Uh, so Dr. Bruce Perry and, and Oprah Winfrey just wrote a book that's fire. Um, and, the, and the premise is people ask themselves, what's wrong with me? Right. It's the shame message. You know, what the hell is wrong with me? And this book, the title of the book is uh, the question that you should be asking yourself is what happened to you, right? Not what's wrong with you, what happened to you? Because fact is, nothing is wrong with you. You adapted beautifully. Uh, You you did exactly what you had to do to survive. Um, So yeah, there's nothing wrong with you, but something happened to you. And so this this comes back to working with people and, and, and being a coach. As long as people think I am the problem, there's no growth. There's zero progress can be made if I am trash. Right. Right. Like it, if, if I'm trash, then it, there's a period at the end of that case closed and a discussion. I'm just going to throw money at you and, and see if you can make me not be trash, but I'm trash. Right. So you can't do anything with that. But if you're like, Hey, I'm a decent human being, but some, some shitty things happen to me. We can work with that. We can heal that. We can, we can change, learn, grow. We can, we can adapt. But if, if I am, you know, fill in the blank with some negative statement, um, you can't do anything with that. And that, so that's what shame is, right? Yeah. Guilt, guilt is I made a mistake. Shame is I am a mistake, right? Or like reading my mind. I was just going to say, I'm like, and that also goes into shame and guilt because one of the things that I work with with clients, all of them, is the I am like language and like your internal narrative and like what are you saying to yourself because regardless of how much time you spend with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whom the fuck ever you are the person that is inside your head 24 motherfucking seven and all so day that, all day all day every day and so with that being said it's very important to recognize that you're having these thoughts because a lot of times like you said and like to take it to our whole point the things that we have been telling ourselves for literally our entire existence were things that we heard somewhere that someone either told us or that we overheard or they were things that we adapted like to believe as our own personal beliefs about who we are and so oftentimes we do that not even realizing that we were saying these things so like if you drop something like oh like i'm such a klutz well i am Mm -hmm. such a klutz like i am clumsy like are you or did you just drop something like there's a difference there and exactly to your point whenever we have this i am you know all these like bad things like negative things then we internalize it and that inherently will result in shame versus exactly what you're saying about the the guilt component it's just something like well i feel guilty because i did this i feel guilty not i am guilty like yeah different mindset and it seems it seems in like just saying this like oh well like how can that make that big of a difference but it's one of those things where when you start to actually become mindful of it that it's such a difference like oh yeah Huge difference. Huge. I mean, so this reminds me of saying sorry way too damn much, right? Just there's, I'm surely, you know, people who just apologize all the time, you know, like, I'm sorry, I was 30 seconds late. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, they start emails with sorry, I didn't get back to you sooner. Or like, or people, people get emotional, like, oh, sorry, like, sorry, I'm having feelings. Sorry, I'm a fucking human being. Let me apologize some more. People tell me that, like, oh, sorry, like, I'm crying. Sorry. I'm like, what? That's, that's you expressing a feeling. Just like you laugh when you're happy. That is you. That is your bodily response to a feeling that you are having. Yeah. So 
apologizing all the time. That's another indicator of like, ah, maybe there's some toxic shame there. Because um, like you were saying with all these I am messages, shame is an illness of the identity, right? It's, 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 a, it's a sickness of the I am, right? So Carl Jung called shame a soul-eating emotion, which I'd, I'd say that as many times as I get a chance to say that. I think it's great. Uh, but yeah, it's, and I think to that point, it's, it's corrosive to your identity, right? This, this shame thing. And so um, in order for someone to, to grow in any way, we have to separate people's identity from, you know, this shame thing that you're right. It's, it's something that they picked up somewhere, right? Because babies don't come out of the womb talking about, don't look at my chubby thighs. I got a bald head. Like, I'm ugly. Like, I just pooped myself. Like, no babies are ashamed at all. Zero babies are ashamed. Right. Right. And they learn it somewhere along the way. You know, when parents are, are frustrated with, oh, this damn baby cries so damn much. Uh, right. Like, how many shameful uh, stories? Um, I don't know about you, but um, yeah, a, a lot of parents will, will continue to say sh shame their kids like years. Yeah. As, as adults. Oh, you were the worst baby. Yeah. Oh, you were, you were, you were this or that kind of baby. Like, like, how are you going to shame somebody for being a baby? Right. <laughs> like, what like, the fuck again, is wrong with again, you? Again, you, you, the parents made them like, what is your problem? And I love mm -hmm. the, the example earlier about how you are like really into like work and you have like a really great work ethic and people admire it. People oftentimes admire our, you know, our responses that we have like had. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I love that you shared that personal example because I think that that helps like, people who are like listening and watching, it helps me to also like have another viewpoint on it because um, anyone who's listening, if you want to share like anything that you feel that you have been shamed about in the past that is now like part of your behavior that might be coming up for you as you're watching this, please do. Um, to share something that I was thinking about earlier in terms of what you were saying about um, maybe you shrink yourself. I wanted to like point it out whenever you said that, like maybe that was a response. So I think I shared this on our talk when I was younger, my mom would always make comments about like, oh, like they shouldn't be looking at you like that. Like, oh, like about men like looking at me. And I don't know like if they were pervs or if they were just fucking looking at me. But what I do know is that I internalized that as male attention is bad. And so mm -hmm. like, I was always very shy, like around men. And like, that was like the behavior that I kind of adapted because I was like that, that was what I knew. That was what I adapted. Like she never ever directly said male attention is bad but it wasn't until like it was recent years it was probably like two years ago that I was like holy fuck I think that that might be why I like have resting bitch face or why whenever some guy hits me up I like roll my eyes or like I'm very begrudging be like kind mm -hmm. of instead of just yeah like, it. and um yeah like so to your point about not knowing like you might not necessarily know like what these triggers are like what these things are it's difficult sometimes to separate and like figure mm -hmm. out like, well, is this like, you know, something that I've adapted to because of what happened to me? And yeah, oh, Go River Bay, Go River B, excuse me, says As Beatrice. Shame, shame is toxic learned behavior and I'm working really hard to get rid of that crap. Amen. Uh, thank you both for this segment. My identity is not what happened to me. Yes. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Hard facts. Being here. Yeah, you're exactly right. Your identity is not what happened to you. Um, would this be a good place to talk about neuroplasticity and how we can like change <laughs> <stuff>? <laughs> Oh my goodness. There's so much to talk about. There's so um, much to talk about. I don't know if y'all yeah. can tell, but we are like jazz and kind of yeah. all over the place. So like rope us in if you need. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know if we're ready for neuroplasticity yet. Here, uh, I want I wanna circle back to a thing that that I think uh is pretty cool and I, I wanted to share this. Yeah. Um, back to this idea of trying to 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 coach confidence, right? Because it's uh, I heard something about you, you know, being a confidence coach or, or something. You said something about coaching confidence or something. Right. Um, so, you know, what's the, what's the difference between arrogance and confidence? I think that's important. I think we need to talk about that. And so, arrogance is. I think that's what happens when deeply ashamed people try to act confident right arrogance is very much for me like i'm better than you yeah coming from a place of probably shame and i'm not better than you yeah, <laughs> right and like, and but i need to exert that 
yeah and a lot of so, judgment. yeah yeah exactly so arrogance yeah arrogance is is not confidence and, and in fact i think um it, yeah arrogance is an attempt to cover up shame without peeling it right so i think i think arrogance like you can't take your shame to the gym or the hairdresser and make a shame be sexy right shame is is shame and it sucks and so you can't cover it up and so really i don't think you can teach confidence i think you know or coach confidence i think all you can do is help people heal their toxic shame i think that's what's happening i don't think anyone is learning confidence they're just releasing all the shitty ideas about who they are or you know who they were taught to believe they are so letting go of that stuff ma'am yeah yeah that's that's yeah. the secret sauce yeah it, it mm -hmm. is something that like we have these learned behaviors but like where do they come from it comes from like a feeling that you experience like within yourself and whenever you first ask, you know, like, what is even confidence? Like when we very first started talking about this and having this conversation, I was like, it's self-assuredness. It's being confident. It's being like so self-assured in who you are and knowing that, you know, you're open to other ideas because that's not going to impact like how you show up as your most solid self. May you change your behaviors? Maybe. Might you change your perspectives? Possibly. But as who you are, like you're going to be good regardless because you're going to figure that shit out. And mm -hmm. that to me is like confidence and knowing who you are and like what you stand for and the why behind it. And knowing that based on like the more information you have, that might change from time to time and that that's okay. Um, mm -hmm. Your point about arrogance. Yeah. That's very much like a, like, it seems like someone's like playing defense, right? Like they don't have that um, personal autonomy where they are open to have conversations that might shift their perspective because they're very much, clinging to whatever belief it is that they think that they have about who they are that might be like better than and so mm -hmm. it's like that's the arrogance versus like confidence component of it yeah 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 to to add to that i agree and to add to that uh, another way of looking at at confidence would be um you know back to these things that we needed as kids and we still need as adults these four s's of feeling safe seen soothed and secure if i have those needs met that's as good as it gets, right? Like if I, if, I, if I feel stable and secure and I got my needs met, like I'm good. And, and if I'm fine, like if I'm good, I don't need anything from anyone or I don't need to prove or get some validation or blah, blah, blah. Like if I, if I got my needs met, like that's, that's top notch. And so if I'm, if I'm good, like I got nothing to worry about. And I think, I think that's confidence. That, that will come off as confidence. Because if I'm like, oh crap, I don't have my needs met, I need somebody to validate me or I need this from somebody. I need somebody to like me or I need this or that, you know, and I'm like, you know, I, I need something to, I need someone to complete me or right. something like that. You need I need somebody to fix it. me. Yeah. I need some external validation. Then I'm not going to be confident because I'm not a whole person. Right. And like, and I need, I need someone else to complete me and maybe they will, maybe they won't. I have no idea. So I'm nervous as hell because it could go either way. It's a shake of the dice. And that shows up as I'm not confident. Right. Yeah, I think that is a beautiful way of articulating it because, yeah, and that, again, like, that that, that steadfast, like, self-assuredness is, like, what I think it all, like, I think at the end of the day, like, boils down to. But there are so many factors, like, in our lived experience that play into, like, that not being the case. Yeah. And there are so many things on a daily basis that kind of, like, pick at all those wounds, those, like, things that we've buried in like, you know, things that we are self-conscious about, whether that be our appearance or the way that we show up on the job or intellect or humor, whatever. There's so many things that we see like with the social media um, and just mm -hmm. like even comparison. Said, yeah, exactly. Like you said, when you said that your friends still, or your, excuse me, parents still like shame their kids. There's so many things to like pick at those wounds and mm -hmm. to like reopen them. And so it's really sometimes a challenging thing and that's why we need like coaches and like mental health care providers and like therapists to be able to like help you see like what's actually happening because whenever yeah. those wounds are picked out or poked or prodded or whatever happens with them whenever you're triggered then that emotional system kicks in right like mm -hmm. you go back to like the limbic brain that fighter trauma response yep we go right back to what we know because mm -hmm. that's always like our people survival. always fall back on their training yeah always always and people and people i think humans in general just crave certainty right yes. we just 
people just want to be right. They want to feel certain. Yeah. And so I forget who said it, but yeah, Google the quote uh, is that, that people prefer the certainty of misery over the misery of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Right? That's that comfort zone stuff mm-hmm. that I would rather be here in this terrible situation. I would rather have low self-esteem or feel, feel terrible about myself, whatever it is, because I know how this works. Right. Right. I get the sympathy or I, you know, this or that. Like, I know how to operate in this state. And I'm, I'm you know, I have a sense of certainty here. And there's some comfort in this rather than, you know, do I want to heal and grow and become a better person? You know, I'll say, yes, I do. But that involves me changing my identity, which is terrifying, especially if, you know, you're already struggling with toxic shame that's saying, hey, you're trash. You know, <laughs> you already have an identity issue. Right. Right. And, and, and this is an interesting thing that, that uh, I don't know if Brene Brown or somebody said this, but shame is a universal human experience. Like it, it, shame is the emotion that every person on the planet feels, but no one's really talking about it. Like, hmm, like 8 billion people are all, the thing is happening to all of us and like, we're not talking about it. <laughs> like it's kind of a strange thing there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what's, it's because shame, people are ashamed of having shame. Right. Yeah. So like cover that shit up. Yeah. Because we don't know what to do like with these emotions. And to your point about certainty. Yeah. I made a post about certainty yesterday, like how we seek for like things outside of us because yeah, we want that control. And so whenever we don't have it, there's the whole sense of well, like, how can I get it? And one thing mm-hmm. that we can control is that that trauma response that we have seen work for us time and time again, we have the control and the trust and knowing and the belief that, yep, that's going to work again when I apply it to the situation. Even Mm -hmm. though the circumstances, like you mentioned with your Fisher Price hammer example, the situations are different in the sense of time. Like we are not who we were and who we are is not who we will be. And so with that, it's very much, yeah, like it's very much to your point, a situation where whenever we are like in this like feeling of shame and like we don't want to change because that's comfortable to us and whenever we say like comfort zone we don't necessarily mean like you're laying there like you know in bali on like you know uh, a beach like with palm fronds being like you know (laughs) fed grapes or anything like that that's not necessarily what we mean by like comfort your level of comfort can be unhealthy we don't go to what we know is best for us or what's the healthiest for us. We go to what is familiar. And so mm-hmm. that is how we take these responses and from there end up adapting them as, you know, well, this is just part of who I am. Like, I'm just always late. I just like, I'm a shy person. Like, I'm just really loud and make it, yeah, our behavior and call it that versus mm-hmm. taking the time to say like, oh shit, which everyone here obviously is now taking the time. When I polled everyone, 100% of the people polled, um, the question I asked was, is your behavior your behavior or is it your trauma response that you've adopted as your behavior? And 100% of the people were like, oh shit, now I don't know that you brought it up. Ah, <laughs> ah, I don't know. Yeah. Let's talk about trauma. Let's, let's, we've been beating around the bush. Let's, let's dig into it. Because trauma is kind of a, a, a buzzword now, which I'm happy about. I don't say that in a derogatory way. I, right. I love that people are talking about trauma. It's right. great. Um, so trauma, I think there's this, this misconception that trauma is like, you know, uh, you were kidnapped or, you know, watch your parents get murdered or some, you know, yeah. some horrible thing like that. And uh, it's not necessarily the case, right? There's a lot of different types of trauma. And in fact, I think 100% of human beings have experienced trauma. Matter of fact, like if you were born, can you imagine like being in, in the womb in this lovely like oasis of splendor and then just getting pumped out and screaming and yelling and needles and scissors and people screaming and fluorescent lights and like whatever crazy, like being birthed is a traumatic experience, right? So, uh, but anyway... So trauma, there's so much to say about trauma. Uh, one I would say is uh, there's different types of trauma, right? So there's shock trauma, which is like you were in a car accident or you know some, you were beat, something happened to you. Um, there's uh, developmental trauma, which is something didn't happen to you that probably should have, right? Some type of loving, nurturing, caring guidance, right? So like an uh, yeah, exactly. So, so a lot of that trauma, people don't know 
they have it because it's not an event. They can't point at it and say, oh, that thing happened. Right. They don't even know. Because everyone thinks their childhood was normal, I think, for the most part. Because we're born into this thing. We don't know any different. We're kids. And we're like, yeah, this is like, you know, dad's yelling at mom. Like, that's normal, right? So whatever we have going on as kids, we just, yeah, sure, that's normal. Um, and so, yeah, developmental trauma is this silent killer, right? Like, there's so many people who just walk around with that, none the wiser, have no clue. Anyway, third type of trauma is uh, inherited generational trauma. Right. Like epigenetics, right. conditional, uh, behaviorally conditioned type stuff that's just passed down right. uh, on some Darwin type stuff, right? Um, and then so there's, there's various impacts of trauma too of, um, you know, there's whatever impact of trauma of whatever neglect, abuse, a thing happened to you, like that affected you immediately. The second part of trauma is how did you adapt how did you change in response to that? So that's, you know, part of the impacts of trauma. And then the third part is what did you, what experience did you not get to have because you were busy surviving? Right. So there's all these different facets to trauma. And so it's, you know, it, it's a big thing, but, um, but trauma isn't the thing that happened to you. It's, it's what happened inside of you as a result of what happened, right? The trauma, trauma is what happens when we're left alone with our pain. Yeah. When we're, we're little kids. There's also, just to add to that, like, yeah, thank you for going through all those. Um, to add to it, there's also the, was it this one, like, isolated experience? Like, was it a time? Or was it something that was experienced, like, multiple times, like, over duration of time as well? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, those are two totally different things um, as well. Like, there's, it's such a complex, like, topic. Yes. <laughs> it's big. Yeah, it's big. Um, and so, yeah, there's lots of different like considerations to have whenever you were starting to like look at yourself and think like, oh, okay, so what applies to me when and where and for how long and exactly to mm -hmm. what you said, like, what are the things that I, and I love what you said about a lot of times, like we don't experience things because we were healing from the trauma. So like, what are these things? Like, is it something where like, you know, you have like social anxiety because like you don't like to go out in public because that was your response um, of something happening to you. And I think that a lot of times, whether we consciously or subconsciously are aware of it, we harbor some sort of resentment for like the things that we did or didn't experience based mm -hmm. on what has happened to us in like our previous experiences. And I think that that also like plays a role in how we show up and just like our overall like attitudes to world like life. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. It, it impacts everything. It impacts our identity. Right. Um, Trauma is this this disconnection from the self, right? Because trauma is trauma is a physiological thing that happens in our bodies in response to feelings of powerlessness, right? Right. No no living organism wants to feel powerless. It's the worst feeling in the world. And so, when we're powerless, that's when we fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, you know, or do some type of thing to, you know, get out of there. And so. A lot of what happens uh, in response to trauma, feeling powerless, is control, right? Control is a huge thing. People are, oh, I'm a control freak. There's that identity again. I am a control freak. Well, maybe you grew up in a chaotic environment where you had to control stuff to feel that sense of safety that you needed in order to be okay, mm -hmm. right? And so, um, mm -hmm. yeah, control is, is like a... a is a, a is a mechanism and there's a lot of forms of control right so codependency is control or um you know like working too damn much is control or like a lot of food disorders and things like that like yeah. there's a lot of things that are all i need to control something right micromanaging people like the helicopter wait what are the parents that are like overbearing like really in their yeah <laughs> helicopter like, parents yeah. yeah those yeah there's there's so many different <laughs> forms of control ocd also mm-hmm yeah. yeah. So there's 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 so many different impacts uh, of this stuff. Um, let let's talk about it. I I wasn't even planning on talking about this, but it seems relevant right now. Okay. So the the ad, the adverse childhood experiences study, uh, headed it started by uh, Dr. Vincent Felitti in San Diego in the '90s, um, and then uh, Robert Onda, a doctor from the CDC, hopped on board and they, they ran with this thing and it was huge. Um, um, but let, let me go to the genesis of this. So Dr. Felitti worked at the weight loss clinic in San Diego. And a lot of people were having success, losing a bunch of weight. 
And then there were some people uh, who were dropping out of the program. And um, I think they were all women too. Do, do a fact check on that. But I think there were women who dropped out of the, this weight loss program who, you know, were losing weight, but they dropped out and put the weight back on. And so he interviewed them and was like, hey, what's, uh, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, ask you some questions. And it turned out that all 268 of them who dropped out and put the weight all back on all had some childhood trauma. And I, I don't know if all of them, but I think a tremendous amount of them had, had sexual abuse. But, you know, regardless, they had childhood trauma. And so they were like, hey, fat is safe. So I'm going to go ahead and, and, and just roll with that. Because like, this works for me. I feel safe. I feel overlooked. I don't have dudes, you know, hollering or groping me or whatever. Like, you know, it was, it was a trauma response. It was a protection mechanism. So it wasn't, you know, I'm fat or I'm lazy. None of that. It was, hey, this is how I feel safe. Let me feel safe, God damn it. And so that's, that's why they dropped out of the program. They're like, I would rather feel safe than sexy. Yeah. You know, and he was like, wow. So anyway, so th this launched this whole, this ACE study um, where they asked uh, 17,000 consecutive patients at Kaiser Permanente, uh, Kaiser Permanente in San Diego, these 10 questions about uh, childhood abuse, neglect, and family dysfunction. Um, just before the age of 18, you know, <clears throat> did you experience in your family like mental illness, incarceration, you know, abuse, domestic violence, uh, substance abuse, stuff like this. And, uh, and so from zero to 10, the higher your score was, um, and is they've done longitudinal studies and, you know, it's, it's, it's a big thing. Definitely look into it. Uh, anyone listening, but there's a strong positive correlation to, to adverse childhood experiences and like joblessness, depression, suicide, incarceration, uh, autoimmune diseases like cancer, diabetes, all these different things. Basically all of the worst things in life are tied statistically to your adverse childhood experiences. Yeah. It makes perfect sense, you know, when you're like, yeah, no shit. You know, if your childhood sucks, there's a good chance, you know, you're going to smoke or, or, you know, get arrested or have high risk behavior, whatever it is. Like, you're like, yeah, it makes sense. But seeing the data is like, oh, crap. So this, this, I think this is what, what tore the lid off of, of this whole trauma discussion that we're having these yeah. days. I think hu humanity is evolving to understand, like, how to be human. Right, because right, 50 years ago, no one was having this discussion that we're having right now. <laughs> Nobody, like, you just, you know, beat your kids and whatever, you cheated on your partner, like, whatever, like, shit happened and we just don't talk about it. Just like, you know, let's, let's just play cool. <laughs> no one's going to talk about it. Yeah, and there's also, like, parenting books about how to, you know, basically traumatize your kid, you know, to, like, sleep train them or, you know, don't let them do this or you know, like kids should be seen and not heard and shit like that. Like yeah, old, old that. school practices. That, so I, I didn't know that those were like, I didn't know that was the premise of like the books, but I do know I've heard those like slogans before. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, we've just been traumatizing the shit out of each other for, for millennia. <laughs> right. And so, uh, yeah, I think, I think we're finally starting to understand the, the effects, the impacts of trauma. And so a big part of that is really, uh, transforming our, our identities, mm -hmm. right? So trauma, uh, when, when kids uh, experience, let's say, abandonment, mm -hmm. and, and you could argue that all, all forms of childhood abuse are, are abandonment to some degree, like, you know, emotionally abandoned, you know, not being the parent that they needed, or physically abandoned or emotionally, but abandonment always results in self-abandonment. Yes. So if I'm a child and I'm abandoned, I'm like, oh, okay, what do you need me to do? Who do I need to be? I need straight A's? Cool, I got this. You need me to do this? I need to act out? You know, like I need to be skinny or whatever. Like, I'll do what I, I'll abandon myself, my authenticity, my feelings, my wants and needs. I'll throw all that shit out the window so I can get my attachment needs met when I'm a kid. Right. Right. So abandonment um, is, <laughs> is a problem that a lot of people are, are struggling with. Self-abandonment, that is. And so, so many people are disconnected from their feelings and their needs and stuff like that. So I, I work with a lot of people on identifying like, hey, what even are your needs? And people are like, uh, like food, clothes and water, sleep, you know, people get like the basic needs that like if you were a, a, a gerbil, like they get those. 
But I'm like, hey, like you're a human being, like you need uh, connection and belonging and acceptance and uh, you need some peace, you need autonomy, you need purpose. Like there's so many needs that we have that people are like, oh, I didn't even know, like I needed stuff. It's so, (laughs) yeah, like I love that. So first of all, we had a couple comments. So Josh, love that. Yeah, can't start to grow or change until we become uh, aware and bring that shame to light. Awareness, yes, real, thank you for that. Um, And B says, she could attest this is true. We don't have to hurt forever. We can heal. We can go, guys. Go, thanks. Keep this conversation going. Thank you. That's right. Um, yeah, I wanted to point out to your point about like asking people what they want. And this is something like, and what they need. People don't even know what they want. Like, as a fitness coach, a lot of times, like, I will ask, oh, like, what kind of music do you want to hear today? I asked twice yesterday, what kind of music do y'all want to hear? And the people that I asked were like, whatever. I don't know. Doesn't really matter like they don't know and so i just point this out because like it's something like on such like a basic level like we are so accustomed to not even being aware of what we need and want we don't we don't even know what we want like we can't mm-hmm. even, like, pick out like oh like play this song rage against the machine yeah. like, bulls on parade like that's what I that's right <laughs> like we can't even say that so how are we supposed to be expected to know like well in a partner i would like someone who and I mean, we can list off like, oh, like tall, dark and handsome or like, you know, whatever. But in terms of that, like emotional available, emo- emotional availability, like you were saying, like someone who's understanding, like with this circumstance, like we don't even know what we want because no one's ever asked us. Right. Like you said, like we've just been so busy trying to survive and to cope and to deal with what has happened to us that mm-hmm. we haven't had the time and no one's ever told us like, hey, now that you're safe you should probably like take a breather and figure out like what it is that's important to you and why and you know how you can cultivate more of that in your life this is so important this is this is huge um and i can speak to that personally uh my childhood was kind of chaotic and so my contribution to my family system was to not need anything to go wantless and needless Right. And it, it may have been just because if I if I had an opinion or wanted something or needed something, people were like, shut up. No one cares about you or whatever. You know, like it may have been shame and, and abuse and stuff like that. Or it could have just been me saying, you know what, this is a shit storm right here. I'm just going to like stand back and not need anything because then maybe that would just be better for everyone. Right. And so I learned how to not need anything. I remember I was 28 years old and someone asked me, they're like, hey, you know, uh, what do you like? And I was it, so this is I was in a relationship and I was like I like what you like and she was like no <laughs> she's like that's not the answer she was like no really like what what makes you happy and I was like well I, I like making you happy and she was like you better cut that shit out <laughs> she's like I'm I'm, ask, I'm asking you a question you got no good answers right now and and uh and I was like fuck like I I don't know right I was like I need to get back to you like I need to google or something I, I don't right. fucking know what I want Right. Because my identity was was based so much on like doing things for others or on not needing shit from anybody to protect myself. Right. So there's 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 a lot of behaviors that that we we have as human beings that go uninvestigated for way too damn long. Yeah. Whenever you just shared that and thank you for doing so. Something came up for me. Um, one of my friends is always like, are you okay? Like, do you have someone like, I feel like you give a lot. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm good. I said earlier this week, I was like, I feel like as an only child that I was primed for this, right? Like I've always done it. And whenever mm. I was listening to you talk right now, I had an epiphany and I'm like, holy fuck. What if that was one of my like coping mechanisms in terms of like, well, I just, I'll be independent and not need anything because clearly like there are needs other like other elsewhere and my upbringing and so Mm -hmm. yeah like so in the moment uh example of like this is how like you can start to realize some of these things because one of the things i touched on earlier is like it's difficult oftentimes to like sit down and like you said like all right well like let me now i need to figure some shit out like where do i start right like let me go google it let me google what i like because i don't know and right you know if it were a situation like where my friend was straight up asking me, like, are you okay? Like, I feel like you give a lot. I just want to make sure that like, you know, you like are getting your cup full too or whatever verbiage you want to use for that. And I was like, yeah, like, I think I'm good. Like I feel good. But listening to you here, um, hearing you say that just now, I was like, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
what if that is my response as well? Right. Um, or one right. of them, because yeah, we all have many. And so prime example of how you start to realize the things about yourself is like having conversations, listening to like us talk, working with a professional, like getting with people who have an awareness of these things already and just starting the conversation and, you know, getting curious about and being open to, because I think a lot of times people are not open. They're like, no, nah, I'm good. If I would have said like, no, like I'm 100% fine, like whatever, and not been open in the sense that like, you know, like eh, whatever, I might not have had that because that mental block would have been there. I would have been telling myself I'm good, but I would have been lying to myself because my subconscious is like, bitch, no, you ain't. <laughs> yeah, no, you ain't. Hey, you said something super important. I don't Bring know how, I don't know if you know how profound uh, the thing you said was, but the opposite of shame is curiosity, right? You said that you got to get curious about it. Yep. Shame is, is this case closed, you know, I'm trash, like, don't look at me kind of thing. Um, shame is, is a definitive, this is a problem type of thing. But curiosity says, huh, what's going on here? Right. Maybe I have some unmet needs. Maybe this is a trauma response. Right. Maybe I'm trying to protect myself. Like maybe there's something else. Let me just be curious about it. Right? Curiosity is, is so important. So Albert Einstein said, uh, I, I have no special talents. I'm just passionately curious. Mm -hmm. Right? Could you imagine Albert Einstein being like, oh, I'm not smart. I'm just like nothing special about me. I'm just real curious about shit. I love that. And, and I, I believe that that's, if we could all get a little bit more curious and have these conversations, right? Like, I can't, I can't believe we got eight minutes left. But right. I want this conversation, I want this conversation to just keep going. I want people to just continue having this conversation and say, hey, you know, what, what's going on here with, with these behaviors? Is it like I'm, you know, a lazy piece of crap? Or is this have something to do with how I survived my childhood, you know, or, or the messaging that I got growing up? or whatever it is, but get curious about it, you know, talk to other people. And yeah, I highly recommend, you know, getting hooked up with, with some type of, of well, here, here's what I'll do. I, so I wrote an article recently called the, the Four Pillars of Healing and Growth. And so let me throw these out there for people because we got to wrap it up here soon. But I want to give people some like actionable stuff that they can uh, walk away with. So the Four Pillars of Healing and Growth, one of them is get plugged into a healing community. Right. Whether that's like group therapy or um, it could be like a, a book club or like a, a, a women's circle or, uh, you know, 12 step fellowship, anything like there's plenty of groups where you can get get plugged in with other people that are healing, that are learning, that are having these vulnerable discussions that are growing. Like be part of a community. So important. So important, because if you're just like trying to change all by yourself, like fucking good luck with that. Yeah, right. To echo that, just Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we must have love and belonging community before we can experience self-actualization, um, self-esteem, yes. self-actualization. And so, yeah, yes. yeah, to your point, I just wanted to science. It's a need. It's a need. Yes. A lot of people are like, oh, I just need food and sleep. Shut up. You need so much more. You need to belong. You need to, you need to, you know, have, have to be seen, be truly seen authentically for who you are, yes. not just for all the good things, you know, your gold medals and stuff, yes. but like for the sloppy ass mistake making human being that you are. Someone needs to see that and say, oh, I love you anyway. You're yep. good enough anyway. You're cool. Yep. You're, you belong here, right? A lot of people think self-esteem is about like being perfect all the time. Self-esteem is about just being a regular ass human. You know, everybody poops, you know, and, 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 and just being lovable anyway. Anyway. So number one, get plugged in with, with the tribe. You, you, need, you need your people, find your people. Number two, um, do one-on-one -on -one work, right? This could be a coach, this could be a therapist, a mentor, a 12-step sponsor, something, but like work one-on-one -on -one with another human being. Be seen by another person. Mm -hmm. So if you don't really share your whole life with another human being, mm -hmm. like that means no one knows you. Mm -hmm. It means everyone has like little pieces of the puzzle and little like, you know, I posted something today, mm -hmm. like a bunch of little fake little fucking pieces of you, but no one actually knows who you are. Yeah. You're going to feel alone and I wanted because to you out, are. Yeah. And I wanted to point out like a lot of us don't want to let ourselves be seen because they don't want people to see the things that we don't consider so lovable. Like those parts mm -hmm. are embarrassing. So yeah, we like hide it. Like we, plastic surgery we like you know mask it with perfectionism people pleasing like we come 
up with all these different ways to like put lipstick on the pig, pretend like That's it's right. a pig, but like you, you got stuff about you. It's like, it's not about making that better in terms of like, let's fix that as a problem, but it's about accepting that that's part of you. And like you said, like letting people know that and have yourself affirmed so that you can feel, yeah, seen, known, unheard. And yeah, so you can, mm -hmm. so you can be yourself and so you can be like, you know what? Like I am okay. <laughs> like, this and this, this takes us back to shame wants us to be more than human or less than human. Mm -hmm. And so when you allow yourself to just be human, mm -hmm. you don't need that shame shit anymore. Right? So number one, get plugged in with, with, with your peoples. Number two, do some one-on-one -on -one work. It's, it's, it's vital and it, it's beautiful. I love it. This is what, literally what I do for a living. So like, I, I love it. I do it all the time. Um, number three is, is resource up right books podcasts videos like instagram accounts or whatever like surround yourself with with resources for healing and learning and growing and practicing new habits and stuff like yeah you need to have resources you can't just change yourself with like what your good ideas in your head <laughs> you know what I mean? like you're gonna think your way out of of something uh no get learn from the best learn from people who have done this before and there's there's this thing called the internet and there's literally like infinity resources for you Don't to tap into. Heard of it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, all the kids are talking about it these days. Uh, anyway, so hella resources, surround yourself with resources for healing. Cause it's like, um, yeah, if, if, you, if you live in a gym, if you're just surrounded by weights and, and machines and stuff, like guess what? You're probably gonna throw some weights around. Like sooner or later you're like, ah, fuck it, I might as well work out. Right. Right? Surround yourself with resources and you're just gonna start doing it. You're gonna start picking those things up and using them, start practicing those tools, right? Uh, and uh, the fourth thing is just, just do some every day, like participate in your evolution on a daily basis. And it could be a little thing. It could be, oh, I took a minute and wrote a little gratitude list, that's cool. You know, or it could be, I went to this all day workshop or, you know, whatever it is. Or that you it watched doesn't matter. our IG live. Yeah, you, you watched our live and told all your friends about it. Uh, whatever it is, participate in your healing, yeah. right? Because no one else is going to do that for you. Yeah. You, you got to get in there and just move the needle a little bit every day, right? So um, uh, what else would you like to add or say with the last two minutes? I think that all of that was great. And thank you for sharing. Um, I know that I love the tangible action steps and I agree with all of those um, so strongly. I think that if there's anything that we have said, like, let us know, like slide into our DMs and like, let us know what your key takeaways were because we've kind of said a lot. <laughs> so yes. This might be lot. something that like you're listening to and you're kind of just like, whoa, like, I don't, I don't know what to think. And so it might not be till like next week when you're like, oh shit. Yeah. The fact that I always wait to the last minute to turn in like my like big projects I think that's because of like this, like if there's anything that comes up for you, like, let us know, like, like you, like Adam said, like participate in your healing, like talk it out. Um, mm -hmm. Like, this is what we do. This is why we are here. And if there's anything we can do to help, like, that's why we have these conversations. And uh, yeah, just trying to like leave this place a little bit better than mm -hmm. it was when we came, whenever we were traumatized, trauma birthed into it. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So uh, in closing, I would like to, to just recap by saying um, all human behavior, everything that we're all doing on the planet Earth is serving the function of either getting our needs met or protecting ourselves, right? So anything that you have is a bad habit or I hate this about myself, stop it. It's not bad and it's not worth hating. It's, it probably served a really good purpose, right? And so what I would say is get curious. Hey, this behavior, what needs are, is this behavior meeting? How is this behavior serving me? And is there a different way to get these needs met? Yep. Right? If, if you go to the, the Center for Nonviolent Communications website, there's a list of feelings and a list of needs. And there's, it's a great resource that I, I it, matter of fact, I have a link in my bio to that. So if you go to Fix Your Pigger, at Fix Your Pigger, Instagram, there's a bio link and there's this list of feelings and needs and, and say, hey, you know, what needs are being met with this behavior? Or what, what needs are not being met you know, and so I, I need to, to, to adapt and, and do it this way. So, uh, yeah, any, any 
habit or thing, any behavior that you want to change in your life, you can't just replace or you, you can't just remove a coping mechanism. Right. You have to replace it with something better right. that does the job, meets the needs and is healthier. And it's, and it's a process and you could use some help doing it. So, you know, like I said, get plugged in with some, some people that are doing this work, talk to someone one-on-one and, and, you know, follow us. This is what, this is what we do. We talk about this all day, every day. We put out content. This is what we're all about. So yeah. anything else? I think that is it. You summed it up beautifully. Thank you for doing that. And yeah, like you said, this is when we are not coaching clients, we are having these conversations usually amongst ourselves. And so uh, just like you are getting 1% better doing one thing every day, so are we too. So don't think that we are not like do, not doing the work right here beside of you because we 1000% are. So you are not alone, mm -hmm. you are loved. Um, and yeah, we are here for you however we can be. Uh, one thing that I do wanna start adding for um, all of the shit I wishes is may you take something that you learned here today and share it with someone because you wish that it was some shit that someone would have told you. So they don't have to find mm. out the hard way. Love it. Love it. That's it. Drop the mic. Boom. All right, y'all. We'll see you on the Instagrams. Follow Adam at Picture Picker. Follow me, Soul Searching and Squats. And we will see you soon. Love you guys. See ya. Bye. Thank you.